text for the sermon this evening is Ephesians 6, verse 18. We'll read that first and then turn back to Luke 5. Sermon this evening is a preparatory sermon. Prepare us for coming to the Lord's table next week. This sermon will also be the last sermon that I intend to preach on the series through Ephesians 6, the armor that God gives us in the spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let's go back now to Gospel according to Luke, chapter 5. We'll read in Luke 5, the first 17 verses. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed to him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat, sat down, and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had done this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of the fishes which they had taken And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. And it came to pass, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. 
But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired scriptures. May God add his blessing upon the reading of his word. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the theme of the sermon this evening is prayerful preparation. And we use that as a theme for two reasons. First of all, because of the role that prayer has in preparing us to use the spiritual armor and weapon which God gives unto us. Working through Ephesians chapter 6, we're seeing the protection that God gives to us as soldiers in the Christian battle. He gives to us girdle of truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and one offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication. One cannot separate this text, prayer, from the spiritual armor and weapon that God gives unto us. If we will be prepared to stand against the evil one, we will be praying. Second, we use as our theme prayerful preparation because of what we do this coming week to prepare for the Lord's Supper. There are two sorts of partaker, partakers of the Lord's Supper. There are those who are worthy partakers. And there are those who are unworthy partakers. Those who are worthy partakers are those who have examined themselves to see their sins, who are sorry for those sins, who repent, Turn from those sins and who walk in gratitude unto God for the forgiveness of sins given unto them. That is the worthy partaker, the one who examines himself or herself. But how can one examine himself apart from prayer? Prayer is an integral, necessary aspect of self-examination. 
So much so that without prayer, one cannot be truly examining themselves. Through means of prayer, God opens up our eyes to see our need, to see our Savior, to see the forgiveness that He gives us through our Savior. Prayerful preparation. You see, first, we are to pray biblically. Second, praying watchfully. Third, praying spiritually. Biblically, watchfully, spiritually. By biblically, what we mean is that our prayers are to be shaped according to the Word of God. We mustn't imagine that we have prayer figured out because we've been doing it for years. Elderly saints have been praying for 60, 70, 80 years. It's simply because we've been praying for a long time and that means that there's nothing else to learn about prayer. Just as the disciples asked of Jesus, teach us to pray, so it is for us, regardless of age, we turn to God for instruction in prayer, and he gives that instruction in his word. So prayer, what is prayer? Praying always, the text says, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. That word supplication means to make a request, to ask something. That's part of prayer. We're asking for something. Prayer is a recognition that I do not have everything that I need. And so I'm going to go to the one who is capable of giving unto me that which I stand in need of. It's asking for something. To whom are we praying? We didn't read this chapter, but if you go to the next chapter in Luke, Luke 6, and look at the 12th verse there, we see clearly to whom we pray. Luke 6, verse 12, And it came to pass in those days that he, Jesus, went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Consider what an amazing thing happens when we pray to God. We who are creatures of this earth who are tied to this earth with a thousand ties, we who are shaped out of the dust and who will return to the dust and who are filled with every sinful imagination besides, we who by nature are unholy, unrighteous, lawless, and disobedient, we creatures get to come into the presence 
of the God who is holy, 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 and the whole earth is filled with His glory. And we get to speak unto this God, and we get to make our requests known unto Him. How incredible this is that we have access to such an individual. How can we even begin to illustrate such a truth that would, that would convey to us the magnitude of the chasm between the Creator God and the creature? To speak of an employee in a company, which employee is the lowliest employee in that company, to speak of that employee coming before the CEO of that large company, grabbing the attention of that CEO, speaking to the CEO, and being confident that that CEO heard what he had to say and will answer the petitions that that lowliest employee brought to the highest ranking person in that business to use that illustration fails to reveal the magnitude of the difference between Almighty God and the creature when we come unto Him and speak. Prayer. Prayer is covenant life, is it not? Every father desires of his child or children that they would love him. And the way that the father desires that the children would show their love for him is by fellowshipping with him and by talking with him. I don't know that there's anything more hurtful to a father than watching his children come to years of discretion and having his father, having his children... Leave him. Cut him off. Not fellowship. What the father wants is for the child to speak to him. And so it is for Almighty God. He has created us with, for this very purpose that we would enter into his presence, lift up our supplications unto him, and speak. Prayer. Covenant life. We may speak of different types of prayer. The Apostle Paul mentions this. He says in the 18th verse of Ephesians 6 that we are to pray always with all prayer and supplication. And we could translate that phrase, all prayer, to be this, every sort of prayer. There are different types of prayers that Christians offer unto God. And the commandment that God gives us then is, we are not just to offer one type of prayer to Him or another sort of prayer to Him, but we are to offer every form of prayer unto God. God, praying always with all prayer and supplication. So 
So what are these, some of these different types of prayers that we as Christians can and do offer unto God? A helpful acronym that has been used in this regard is the acronym ACTS. A-C-T-S. ACTS. Adoration. Thanksgiving. Confession. Supplication. Adoration. Do we have within our hearts a, 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 a recognition of how great God is, how transcendent God is in comparison to the creature? Are we filled with a sense of awe at His holiness, that even the angels cover their face when they come into the presence of God? Do we adore God for His omnipotence, His power, which goes forth unstoppable? Adoration, does that characterize our prayers? We do well to reflect on that in this week ahead. Do I adore God? Adoration and then see confession. Do I know my sins? Do I pray? Pray that God would give me sensitivity to His commandments. When I see sins in my life, do I try to push thoughts of them away? Or do I acknowledge them? Take ownership of them? Confess them unto God. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Confession. Dignity, thanksgiving, of all prayer, every form of prayer. Are we a thankful people? It can be hard to be thankful especially when our eyes are so focused on the things of this earth and all we can see are wave after wave of trial and hardship and grief. But where's the thanksgiving? Well, you won't find thanksgiving apart from Jesus Christ. That's where thanksgiving is found, is, is beholding what God has done for me in Jesus Christ. That God so loved me with an eternal and unchangeable love that even though I have rebelled against this holy and beautiful God, yet He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for me. And then all of the blessings that come from that, are we not thankful for those blessings? Thankful for the peace that we have in knowing that our sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ thankful for the church and that we have a name and a place in the church. Thankful for the body of believers who gather together Sabbath day after Sabbath day and who love one another and who seek to encourage and assist one another. Thankful for the blessing that we have in Jesus Christ of the hope of the resurrection of the dead, even as we heard in this morning. T, thankful. We give thanks. And 
and the S, supplications. Lifting up unto God what are the desires of our heart. Let's be careful. These desires have to be shaped according to God's word, according to the will of God. Yet we make these supplications with the confidence of faith that God hears the cries of His people. That God cares for the lowest state of His handmaiden. And that God, through Jesus Christ, answers these supplications. All prayer, the Apostle Paul said. Here we do well to examine ourselves too in the week ahead. Are our prayers characterized by having all these different aspects in them? It's easy for us to become caught up in habits and the content of our prayers. Where our prayers kind of go in this direction or that direction and and we, do, we, we offer the same petitions over and over again to the neglect of other aspects of prayer. Praying always with all prayer. And then when? When are we to pray according to the Bible? The text tells us when praying always with all prayer. And the idea here of praying always with all prayer does not mean that Christians must spend every second of every day in conscious prayer unto their Father. Even Jesus Christ devoted certain times unto prayer. He would go out into the mountains and pray. And the fact that Jesus Christ devoted certain times unto prayer means that there were other times when Jesus Christ was not in prayer. Nor does the fact that we are called to be always praying mean that our prayers must always be lengthy. Jesus Christ warned, Matthew 6, verses 7 and 8, but when ye pray... Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like them. Literally, the meaning of praying always is this, beloved. It means that we pray in every season of life. Praying always, it is praying in every season of life. Life. Prayer is not to be limited to seasons of life where we feel strongly within us that subjective desire for prayer. Now certainly if we are given that holy impulse to pray unto God, then by all means act on that impulse. Don't delay prayer. If the Spirit brings you to a point where you feel right now, I need to pray for this individual or that individual, then act immediately on that before, before you forget about it, and then the prayer never is offered for that individual. 
But that we are called to pray always means that our prayer life must not be limited to those times when we have that inner spiritual desire to pray. But instead, prayer in the life of the child of God is to be a discipline. It is to be something that we cultivate as a healthy and good habit in our lives. Indeed, prayer is to be a priority for the Christian. I believe that this can be illustrated from the example of Jesus Christ given to us here in Luke chapter 5. The context here in Luke 5 is this is the early part of the ministry, the public ministry of Jesus. Jesus is going out, he's gathering disciples unto himself, calling disciples not to be fishers of fish, but to be fishers of men. Jesus Christ is preaching. Luke 5, the first few chapters, or first few verses, the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. So there's crowds of people that are coming to hear what Jesus Christ has to say. So many people that Jesus has to go out into a boat and sit down in that boat and then from that boat address the people who are on the shoreline. And then immediately after that, Jesus is performing miracles. He healed a man of leprosy right after he performed the miracle of the catch of many fishes. Because of the power of Jesus Christ as he's preaching the word and because of the miracles that Jesus Christ is performing, he's gaining more and more of a following. People in Judah are being awakened up unto this man, Jesus of Nazareth. We read of the publicity that Jesus had in Luke 5 verse 15. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Jesus Christ was looked upon as a leader. He was depended upon as a healer. He was listened unto as a great preacher. So what then would we expect Jesus Christ to do as the fame of him is spreading abroad? If we did not know what verse 16 of Luke 5 said, how might we anticipate it to read? fame of him is being spread all abroad. Great multitudes are coming together to hear, to be healed of him, of their infirmities. Wouldn't we expect the very next verse to read something like this? And Jesus, being moved with compassion and love for his people, toiled night and day to preach and perform miracles. But it doesn't. Right at that juncture, in the life and ministry of Jesus, 
as his fame is spreading abroad, as people are increasingly coming to him for healing, for teaching, Jesus Christ withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Now if Jesus Christ, who is God, and who had all the power of God Himself, found it necessary at regular intervals to withdraw, to go out into the wilderness and pray. How much more so do not you and I need time with God in prayer? Clearly, this was a priority for Jesus. May God give us strength in this week ahead to evaluate our own lives whether we have given prayer that same level of preeminence that Jesus Christ Himself gave to us. When do we pray? Praying always with all prayer and supplication. And then this verse calls us to prayer, pray watchfully. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto. This does not mean, children, that you may disobey mother and father and have your eyes open during prayer. It's not what praying watchfully means. But praying watchfully means to be alert, to be awake to know, to be informed about what is going on. That's what Jesus required of His disciples in Mark 13, verse 13. Take ye heed, watch, and pray, for ye know not when the time is come. There's a physical level of alertness that is required to pray. If one is exhausted physically, if they say their prayers only for right before they go to bed at night and their eyes are starting to close already when they fall asleep, it's very difficult to pray watchfully. How important it is that we pray watchfully. There's a very close relationship between watching and praying. Indeed, we cannot separate the two one from another. The watching individual is the praying individual. And the praying individual is the watching, the alert individual. Watching motivates one to pray, does it not? The more that you are aware of what is going on in this world, in the lives of God's people, the more one is compelled to pray unto God. Watching not only motivates one to pray, 
but watching gives unto one the content of their prayers. Maybe somebody struggles and an honest admission says, I, I don't always know what to pray about. And sometimes I feel like my prayers are too short, but apart from using vain repetitions, I know not how to have my prayers be lengthened. Watching gives unto us content for our prayers. The more we are alert unto, the more we are aware of what is going on around us, the more God gives unto us need, urgency to pray unto God about those things. And then as well, watching is necessary because of the devil who lurks. We noted that there's a connection between the armor, the spiritual armor that God gives unto us, and prayer. We, we must be watching and praying because the devil lurks and he's always waiting, trying to find a place of weakness where he can attack us as members of the church. And so the Christian is called to be on guard looking for where the devil is tempting one to fall into sin. Watch and pray. But let us be more specific. What are we to be looking for? Three things that we list here that we are to be watching thereunto. First of all, as we watch, we are to be attentive unto the needs of those around us. God has placed us not in isolation, but He has placed us in families, in communities, in a state, in a nation. God has given unto us a place in the church of Jesus Christ. It is our duty then as we live in these relationships given to us by God, to be attuned unto what are the needs of those around me. It's a very humbling thought to consider how little we know about the needs of others and what small percentage of our prayers are devoted unto the needs of others. How often are not our prayers rather self-centered? We know our own struggles and our own limitations, so we plead of God, give unto me, Father, graciously strength for the day. But then are we praying for our spouse, for the church, for our children? Watching. This requires fellowship in. If one will watch, be attentive unto the needs of others, there must be fellowship. We will never know what are the needs of God's people if we never talk with them. Speak fellowship one with another. 
That's why corporate worship is so important for us to gather here, not just for the purpose of praising and exalting God's name, but also for fellowshipping one with another so that we can watch and pray for the needs of the other members of the church. Watch. Secondly, what are we to watch? Maybe this should be listed first. It's our own souls. Take heed unto the status of your own heart and soul. The same word watch is used in Hebrews 13 verse 17, which speaks of the duty of the elders. It describes the work of the elders and the relationship that the parishioners ought to have unto the elders. Here, Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. Why? For they watch for your souls, as they that must give account. If it is the case that the elders watch for your souls, watching over your souls, and they do, then ought it not also to be the case that we as individual members of the church are paying attention unto the condition of our souls? Am I content? Or is my soul discontent? What are the yearnings of my heart? Are there unmet emotional needs that I have in my life? Why are those needs not being met? Is there a sin in my life? Is there something that is hindering me in my fellowship with God? Are there unholy desires and unholy passions that are rising up in my heart and in my soul? Do I find that I more easily give in to little sins? Sins that nobody else will notice. Sins that nobody else is going to call us into question for, but I find myself slipping into them. Allowing my mind to entertain evil thoughts about the neighbor. Lust. Letting it sit in our mind instead of fleeing fornication. Watch your own souls. Do this in the week of self-examination. Third, what are we to watch? What must we pay attention unto? Is it not the Word of God that will enrich your prayer life perhaps like nothing else spending more time in the word of God does one struggle with the A adoration I don't, I don't know what I find adorable then read the Psalms the Psalms are replete with Praise for the beauty of Jehovah. Confession. I, I don't know how to confess my sins. I feel like my confessions are inadequate. 
than read through God's Word which teaches us about sins and the seriousness of sins. Thanksgiving, for what am I thankful? Read through the Word and see the faithfulness of God as God preserved His people from one generation to the next and have your heart be filled with a sense of awe unto God for His unconditional saving love and affection for His church. Supplications. I don't know what supplications to make for others. And read Hebrews 11. The heroes of faith. And see how they were tested mightily. How they worshipped in dens and caves of the earth. They faced the edge of the sword cruel bondage and imprisonment, and then remember that for as long as God's church remains on this earth, that will continue to be true of the members of the church. And then you feel within your heart that desire to bring these matters unto God in prayer. May our week of self-examination be a work a week where with renewed zeal we search the Holy Scriptures. We pray biblically. We pray watchfully. We pray spiritually. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now, the fact that we pray in the Spirit means we ought to be very, very slow to criticize the prayers of others. We ought to be very slow to set forth any sort of template as if this is the ideal prayer and If you follow these steps, then your prayers will be acceptable unto God. No, we pray in the Spirit. The Spirit works in our hearts that desire to pray. And the Spirit is He then who, as the Spirit of Jesus Christ, perfects our prayers. Take the cries that come off of the lips of God's people and perfects them and presents those prayers unto God as a sweet-smelling incense. It's only because it's the Spirit of Jesus Christ that is given unto us that we are able to pray unto God. If it were not the Spirit of Jesus Christ who saves us, and who delivers us from our sins, we would never have access unto God. The bar would be closed. The door would be shut. Think of that employee, the lowliest employee, who would go to the door of the CEO and knock and knock, and the answer would be, go away. I have no time for That's not the case in Jesus Christ. 
in Jesus and through Jesus, we may come unto God in prayer. Praying in the Spirit means as well that the Spirit makes intercessions for us. In those times when we do not know how to pray, the Spirit prays for us. Romans 8, 26. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. As God gives unto us the ability to pray in the Spirit, we will then pray with humble confidence. Humility for praying in the Spirit means that of ourselves we don't deserve to go before the Holy One, the Omnipotent One, the God of perfect justice. The only way we can come unto Him is through Jesus Christ. That we pray in the Spirit means that this is a gift of grace that we can approach unto our Father. We come not with arrogance, but on bended knees. But at the same time, we come with confidence, a humble confidence. Confident, for we come to God on the basis of the worth of His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Confident for the Scriptures Assure us repeatedly that God hears the prayers of the meek and of the lowly. Confident, for we pray in the Spirit, and the Spirit is the Comforter who gives us the assurance of the pardon of our sins. In Jesus Christ, amen. Let us pray. Our Father and God in heaven, we come boldly unto thy throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come. Lord Jesus, come quickly, and then we can speak to Thee no longer through prayer, but face to face. Amen.